0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Walking 90. Uh, I'm Chip Nelson. I'll be your host today. And I am joined by the president of Union Omaha and the Omaha Storm Chasers, Mr. Marty Cordero. How are you doing today, Marty?
1: Chip, thanks for having me this afternoon.
0: Great. So for those of you listening on delay, we are recording this on February 2nd uh, in the late afternoon. So if something super exciting happens uh, in the League One or with Union Omaha, we didn't forget to cover it it just hasn't happened yet so we are joined with Marty for those of you in Omaha he needs no introduction but for some of those outside of Omaha uh, Marty kind of handles a lot of the executive roles for Union Omaha as well as the storm chasers who are Union Omaha's roommate if you will at Warner Park where they play their games so Marty uh, you're not originally a soccer guy you have a really fun backstory, including uh, playing in some Grateful Dead cover bands. So <laughs> for those of you who aren't as familiar with you, kind of uh, what's been your journey uh, up to this point and how'd you end up in the world of soccer?
1: Well, I, look, I'm, I'm nearly 50 and I'm still doing things that uh, I started when I was 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, so I, 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 and I'm working in sports. So I, I've lived a very blessed, great life. Uh, Been in Omaha since, uh, I guess, technically I started work here October of 06, but my path started back in Ruston, Louisiana. That's where I was born, raised, went to high school, graduated, went to college at Louisiana Tech University, and the shortest version of a long story, started in education through playing music professionally, dropped out of college a while. When I went back, I changed my major to marketing, and I played baseball all throughout uh, my young young life uh, through high school. And then thought i was gonna be a baseball coach obviously that changed and when i changed my major to marketing i started working for the baseball program at louisiana tech that was 96 through 98 graduated in november of 98 and then i went to the baseball winter meetings in nashville in december of that year and that's when i got my first professional sports sales job selling group tickets to the smallest communities outside of jackson tennessee which wasn't a big market to start with and made 600 bucks a month and that was my start and that was my uh that was the journey to Omaha to 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 come and close Rosenblatt down and to move triple a baseball out of the state I screwed up and I didn't do that and we landed at Warner Park obviously storm chaser started and because we were able to keep triple a baseball here not indirectly but directly we're able to start soccer and that's something that I forget. And I don't know how many people know that because if triple a baseball would have left, uh, in 2011, which we thought that was going to happen, you and I probably never would have met chip. And uh, we probably wouldn't be doing this podcast, but in between, in between Jackson, I went to Birmingham, Alabama for a couple of years. Then I went to battle Creek Michigan, Michigan for a couple of years and then landed here. So I have a, a variety of experiences in a variety of markets, uh, some of which are better than others, some of which don't exist anymore. Um, And uh, I am, I tell you what, glad to be in Omaha, love this market, love this city. Uh, Our two oldest boys uh, were not born here, but they grew up here and our youngest was born here and he's now a freshman in high school. And uh, you know, my wife, Sarah and I, we love, we love it here.
0: Nice. So I know, the journey towards union omaha was a bit interesting so i if i remember correctly the original plan was actually to go for a g league team and play at ralston arena correct
1: that is correct either ralston or baxter uh, but we never got that far because once we uh, we were given the territorial approval and started talking to some nba teams uh, the nba uh, leadership and ownership decided that they wanted their individual nba clubs to own and operate their G league teams. And, you know, Gary and I, along with uh, another business partner, Larry Botel, we, we just said, look, you know, if we're going to operate in the Omaha market or any market, we need to be the majority shareholder. So that's when, that's when Gary quite honestly shifted his focus to the NW, uh, uh, uh to the, um uh, NASL, I think. Right? NASL. Yes. Yeah. NASL at the time. And, uh, he realized that that probably wasn't, um, financially stable for very long. He was right. And then we started conversations uh, with the USL and we thought we were going to be a USL championship club that would be affiliated with Sporting KC. That ended up not coming to fruition. Gary took about a six month step back and then in 18, that's when the USL decided to launch League One. And then that's when conversations really heated up for Union Omaha and and then on in uh, early May, I think it was May first of 2019, we held a press conference uh, here at Werner Park, announcing the franchise—not a name, but announcing a professional soccer franchise—and that was uh, quite a great day because we also introduced our head coach that day, Jay Mims.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's been—it's been interesting, kind of seeing a lot of uh, baseball ownership groups kind of getting into soccer. I think in League One, besides Omaha, most famously, uh, even though they don't want you to know it. Ford Madison actually runs several minor league teams, including one in Madison. You have the NOCO ownership group who uh, is not involved with a minor league team, but they're a non-affiliated minor league team. One Knoxville has a couple uh, baseball owners for their team there, as well as uh, a few teams in championships such as Memphis. And you even have a lot of baseball, triple A, double A baseball guys moving into soccer. Why do you think uh, the move to soccer has been so appealing for so many people that started off as baseball employees?
1: Hey, well, I, you know, the growth of the USL since the mid-90s has has, has been – that's really what's pushed the growth of the game uh, in, in, in North America, at least that's my opinion. I know MLS has grown a lot since that same time frame. But much like the Omahas and the Visalias and the Greenville, South Carolinas – are really the feeder for major league fans on the baseball side. The same is is true for soccer. And the more that soccer builds out, uh, the more soccer fans we're gonna create in non-traditional soccer markets. So for me, I think that's probably the biggest thing is uh, folks like us that are operators of professional sports franchises who are community-based and community-minded, we see it as another opportunity to reach some of our baseball fan base but the majority, eighty-five plus ninety-plus percent, are new potential eyeballs and fans and supporters and community activists, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. with all the th- different things that we're engaged in. So I think it's, uh, I-, I think it's new. I, I also think, um, I-, I think with the World Cup coming in 2026 and it's been talked about now for you know better part of a decade, I think that, that probably uh, has 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 fueled some of the fire as well.
0: Yeah, and it's it's super exciting to see the growth. I think uh, some of the numbers that I've heard is they want to be up around forty some teams in championship and something similar for League One. And so you're looking at a lot of exponential growth just in the USL space. Plus, you have NISA at the same level, and then uh, all the USL two, NPSL, all those other amateur leagues as well growing. So it seems like there's going to be a soccer team in every single city in America by the twenty thirty, twenty forty, which is Definitely different than it was 10 years ago.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and, you know, you mentioned all the the minor league, primarily double A AA and triple A clubs um, where soccer continues to be played, such as where our new head coach Dominic Casciato came from in El Paso, uh, where the Chihuahuas play there as well as locomotive. Mm-hmm. Um you're, you're moving away. You're seeing the move away from baseball and soccer in the same venue. Memphis is working on their new facility. We obviously have been working on ours since spring of 21. El Paso has been working on theirs for a number of years, and some have made the move. Lou City used to play you know, with the Louisville Triple A Club uh, and so on and so forth down the road. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's exciting to see not just the growth of soccer, but soccer-specific facilities as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Which we'll get into to later, which is probably why most people are tuning into this right now. (laughs) So I guess with some of that, I know, uh, we've chatted before about some of the differences between like soccer consumers and baseball consumers. So what do you what do you uh, think some of the biggest differences, whether it's spending habits, game viewership, I know this quote you're going to use already, and I'm excited to hear it because it's a fun quote, but uh, about outcomes of games. So kind of what's the difference between those two fan bases and how they choose to consume their, uh, their sport of choice?
1: You know, baseball is more traditional. Uh, baseball, as in minor league baseball, in some form or fashion, has been around as we are today since 1907. Obviously, the last 26 months have dramatically changed our industry with MLB taking us over and and changing a variety of things, contracting 43 markets, and our game. Uh, some would say is being revolutionized. Some would say is being broken down. I happen to be on the side. It's being broken down because less is not more when mm-hmm. it, as I, as I just said a few minutes ago about growing fan bases and growing fans. And, you know, those markets that did get contracted do have clubs, like you mentioned, the North, the uh, Northern Colorado club. They used to be an affiliated club, and now they're, a, they're, a summer, they're basically a summer league baseball team. Mm-hmm. Well, summer league's been around forever. The Jayhawk League, the Northwoods League, you know, yeah. the Cape Cod League, so on and so forth. So MLB did not invent anything new like they – Told a lot of those markets they did, Mm -hmm. so you've got baseball coming here, and on the soccer side, you've got soccer growth. And I think part of that, you know, to answer your question, it gives a little bit of the the, uh, difference in fans. It's a younger demo. You know, we 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 have um, technology like never before. We're connected like never before. Our attention spans, right or wrong, are not where they were. They're here. You know, and. We are able to sit down and watch a one hour television program in 42 and a half minutes. If you DVR through and fast forward through commercials, you don't have to sit for an hour. So I think part of the appeal of soccer is, you know, you can get if you're in the soccer venue by 655, for example, you know, you're probably going to be out of the venue by 905, 910 at the latest, Mm -hmm. um, unless we have some unusual uh, extra time which we've never had that here when 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 the owls have, have been up not at all chip so um <laughs> you know i think some of that has to do with the tension span and the changing uh, of society the other thing is because of technology and because of cable television and how many stations and streaming and everything we have you used to not be able to watch soccer and international soccer and i know that I know we've it's been on Saturdays and Sundays for years, but now it's not just being able to watch it on network television. You can watch soccer. I'm sitting here watching it across. It's it's here in our office on a screen in our office right now. And I think the access to soccer uh, and it and it's year round, uh, the access Mm -hmm. to soccer, you can always watch and there's always a cup going on or a tournament or there's something happening. And I and, and because the players move from continent to continent and league to league, uh, you know, yes, baseball's long been an international sport. But if a player from the Dominican doesn't play in the States, he's not going to Japan. You know, he's either mm-hmm. going to play in the States or he's not going to play. But a player that may play in Spain can come play in the U.S. or go to Peru or go to wherever. So I think the international appeal and the access to being able to follow players Uh, wherever they go at least for me still being somewhat of a soccer I'm not gonna call myself a rookie anymore but a novice someone that's Mm -hmm. learning to me that's been some of my observation and you know and then another difference uh, is is soccer hasn't it doesn't have roots in America the roots are international as we were just Mm -hmm. talking about baseball is rooted here so I think uh transplants or people that are from that are you know that have that have transplanted themselves from name a a country name a continent to the United States they are they have brought some of that love of soccer and some of that passion for soccer and quite frankly have have taught Americans about soccer and I, Mm -hmm. I think I think really that's played out over the last 20 years as well
0: yeah it's been crazy watching it grow even in my life lifetime so like my buddy's dad for instance played soccer at Creighton in the 80s and he talks about how in St. Louis to watch the World Cup in the 70s, he had to go to a movie theater and watch it on tape delay. So he said that his dad loaded them all up from their club team. They went to the movie theaters and they just sat there and watched games on delay for six hours on a random Saturday to watch guys play. And now it's like you can watch it on my phone. I can watch it on the TV. I can walk into any bar in Benson and watch it, which is crazy but I think that's
1: di- I think that's the difference. As well. I think the the commitment mm-hmm. when you're a soccer fan, you're all in. And when you're mm-hmm. a baseball fan, okay, you know, it's 150 storm chasers games. Mm-hmm. There's 32 Union Omaha games. And that's the other thing. You know, it's easier to be a fan an entire season long in others in any sport other than baseball. And mm-hmm. I think that has also hurt baseball. And you know, we used to be at 140 games, now we're at 150 on the triple-A side. So you know, it's, uh, it's not easier to sell more inventory. It's more difficult on the soccer side. It's different. You know, you have fewer games. Uh, if you miss one, that's, yeah, you know, it's one sixteenth of your, of your, of your schedule. If you miss a, a baseball game, I'm going to say, so what, but mm-hmm. so what?
0: Yeah, no, I know what you mean. So, uh, you know this, but for some of the listeners that are new, I had my uh, first child back in August of this year. And so I missed about a month of games. And, uh, I was really popular because I had a lot of tickets to get out, <laughs> but man, it was great <laughs> to get back. Since it's like, man, it's so much better walk, watching in person than it is online.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely.
0: And I think that's that's really, I think, part of it too is with soccer, you you, you want to be there. Watching on TV is great. I've been a Bayern Munich fan for 20 plus years, you know, but it's not the same as going in and watching Union Omaha, even though Union Omaha is miles inferior to Bayern Munich and it's just so much fun watching that in the community that's built around it and everything else. And so uh, I know what everyone's waiting to hear, but I guess uh, real quick for any aspiring uh, baseball ownership groups that are looking into getting into soccer, what would some of your advice be uh, for them as they would look to buy a soccer team or transition from a AAA employee into a, a soccer employee or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I think one of the differences um, that that I found is um, people that are in, in in more traditional American sports or work in front offices uh, have have more business background, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and I found that you know in soccer front offices there are more soccer fans, fans of the game. It doesn't mean that there aren't baseball fans or football fans working mm-hmm. in baseball and football offices. It just means that. There are more soccer fans that are Union Omaha or Greenville Triumph or whatever club. Mm -hmm. And that can be a good thing, but it can also be a challenging thing. You know, we all have to sell tickets. Empty seats don't eat no hot dogs. And we have to sell tickets. We have to generate new interest. We can't just rely on renewing a season ticket group. For example, I I tell this a lot uh, to people that are new into sales. It's great to renew at 90% of mm-hmm. your season ticket base every year or group base or sponsorship, pick, pick a, pick a category. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. but I'm going to focus on season tickets. But in 10 years, you've turned over your entire ticket base. So how do we renew at 91? How do we renew at 95? How do we renew at a higher rate? And that really, that really is about relationships. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you can't just focus on renewal sales, you need to be growing the brand and we need to be out hitting the streets, beating the pavement, and and whether it's Chasers baseball or union soccer, educating the community not only on what the sport is and what we do in, in venue, but what we do in the community. And that's really, or minor league sports or lower level pro- professional sports, um, really I think we have an advantage over the Kansas City Royals or the Colorado Rapids or wherever, you know, pick your major league team. Mm-hmm. We're still professional, but we live and breathe in our communities. Uh, we are in the schools, you know, we, are, we are at the food bank, we're open door mission, just pick, pick wherever it might be. And that's what I would share with, you know, with, with any baseball owner trying to get in soccer is, it's the same from a business perspective related to day-to-day business yes how you message how you market how you social media and the sport those things are different uh, however don't lose track that it's about sales relationships sales community relations sales marketing you know, there's a mm-hmm. there's a theme there and um no matter how catchy your brand is no how no matter how shiny your stadium is uh it's still about relationships and sales ultimately
0: yeah and i think that's been the coolest part so i've been to a couple league one venues now and the going on four years, we've had a program and it's crazy that every single stadium, the GM, the president, the owner of the team are all out there, shaking people's hands, thanking them for coming out. Like you don't see that when we went to the SKC, you didn't see that, you know, when I've been to other professional sports, you don't see that, you know, Marcus blossom, isn't, you know, fist bumping me at the end of Creighton games as I walk out with 18,000 people. And so that's been like the really cool part about this is, uh, being involved and seeing ownership and, you know, getting time for stuff like this. And then even the community aspect, I think is cool. I think I'm wearing it today. Uh, the (laughs) Raptors. So this is a youth club that, uh, they're in South Omaha and it's completely free, uh, which is different than a lot of club sports are. So that makes it really cool. And I know back in 2021 for the final, we were able to get everybody from their organization out to a a Union Omaha game through the donated ticket program. They're able to do it again last year through the same donated ticket program. And then uh, they're doing some training with the technical staff now because of uh, that relationship that they've built, which, you know, if this was SKC, they'd probably say, well, are you an affiliated club? And if you're not like, see you later.
1: Yeah. Even if your mission's
0: great or even if you're in the community. And I think that's kind of the cool thing about uh, all of this is being in the community and like, if we were an skc feeder club you probably you know wouldn't see the players out and about all the time they you know you guys wouldn't be chatting with us as much you know i don't know who their owner is but i'm sure he wouldn't be coming on our league one podcast to talk about the omaha you know sportings or whatever they'd call them yep
1: yeah well look you bring up a great point and, and this is where i want to give gary green some credit you know i've been doing mm-hmm. this since 96 as i said and uh professionally since 99 was my first year so A bunch of years in there Mm -hmm. Uh, when Gary first came to the market was August of 11 and I gave him a tour of Omaha and he quickly realized it wasn't just corn rows and cows and so on and so forth and he's Mm -hmm. like okay I get it it's a great community I understand and then he ultimately bought the storm chasers in June of 12 from Mm -hmm. a timeline perspective and one of the first things he asked me was what do I need to do and I wasn't sure exactly how I was supposed to answer that but my my answer him was be engaged don't just be involved be engaged there's a difference you can show up to work and be involved but what are you doing when you're at work what are you doing when you're in the stadium you can go to a game and be involved but if you're at the front gates if you're going through the suites if you're talking on podcast if you're mm-hmm. you know are you responding to emails and he really has gotten engaged and this is his second community he loves omaha uh, both from a baseball and now from a soccer perspective and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to have worked for him now for um, close to 11 years. Man, time flies. So, you know, I, I give him a lot of credit. And, and the other thing is because of starting the franchise when we did, no one knew a pandemic was going to start in less than 12 months from when we yeah. made the announcement. Gary's not give, Gary and the ownership group are not given enough credit for making sure this happens because I can tell you. Uh, losing our first year to COVID, and I know we played an abbreviated schedule, but we were limited to 2350 in capacity, and then 2550, and so on and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. You don't, you do not get the first year back, whether it's ticket sales, whether it's merchandise sales, whether it's in park attendance. And I would tell you, we're still playing catch up because we started during COVID. So Gary doesn't get enough credit, along with the ownership group, of what they've done to make sure stop soccer has a potential future in the metro. And ultimately, at some point in time, it's going to be up to the community and soccer fan to make this fly Mm -hmm. uh, beyond what we've done at Warner Park. Mm -hmm.
0: And before we transition, I just have one more thing. So baseball, stereotypically for baseball to sell tickets, it's all about promos, right? You know, dollar beer night, dollar hot dog night, you know, free T-shirt for whatever charity. In League One and I think Championship Two, I think the only side – that I think that has gone like full in on like minor league baseball style promotions is Ford Madison. Cause I don't know if you follow that at all, but they'll do like 50 bucks, get you two midline tickets, uh lobster roll and uh, two t-shirts or something. Like, why do you think uh, they're the only team that kind of has gone into the, the minor league promo route, despite there being lots of baseball guys hanging around the uh, lower league soccer now?
1: Well, in talking to Connor and, and Connor's become a, uh, I would call him a mentor on the soccer side because he came from college athletics and baseball before they got into soccer, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And he is one that realizes that as much as any of us may want this to be about soccer and winning soccer matches on the field, it's not. Mm -hmm. It's about how many people can you get into the building? uh, How many tickets can you sell? And then turning them on to soccer if they are not soccer fans. And, As much as that may pain some people to hear me say that or hear Mm -hmm. Connor practice that in Madison, I wish that someone would have told me that before we started in 2019, 2020, because I thought applying those principles and practices would be the better route, but I was told by longtime soccer folks that that wasn't the route, that we needed to be different. And I think we're naturally different anyway. Yeah, based on time and based mm-hmm. on not venue yet, but based on the pitch versus a diamond and so on. So I'll go through all the differences. But even when Peter Marlet got here, I said, hey, you know, I've had some potential sponsors that, you know, want to do a mascot. But I've been told, oh, soccer, you don't you don't have mascots. And even Peter, when Peter got here, he said, heck, yeah, let's do a mascot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even Peter, who played soccer professionally and is a longtime soccer He understands that it's got to be about market and it's got to be about mix and match, that it Mm -hmm. can't be about traditional this or traditional that. But, you know, it's not unlike minor league baseball that there are some promotions here that won't work in Sacramento or vice versa. Uh, So it's the same with soccer. Not everything that works in Madison is going to work in Omaha or is going to work in Greenville. But, yeah, they do it great, you know, for, for Madison, for example. They love midweek games. They sell their midweek games heavier than they sell their weekend games a lot of times, and mm-hmm. that's not the case yet in Omaha. And Omaha, as you know, you know we we prefer we prefer Saturday nights versus a Wednesday night match. But I'm sure you no, heard it's no diff-
0: belly aching about the Wednesday games this year.
1: <laughs> Excuse me.
0: I'm sure you didn't hear anybody complain online about the Wednesday games this year.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. But you know, schedules are what they are, and mm. uh, you know we're. we're we're going to do the best we can with it. And we know that we're going to have great support. But so for us, it's finding the happy medium. It's not being a soccer club. It's not being a baseball club. And I'm speaking for both Chasers and Union. Mm-hmm. It's finding what's the best for our market with that specific sport. And we're still finding our footing. You know, there are a lot of things we couldn't do, even if we wanted to do promotions in 2020 and on into 21. There are a lot of things we couldn't do if we wanted to. Now, I think, you know, the, the handcuffs are off a little bit more than they have been and you'll see some different things you know we're talking about different giveaways you know we're talking about different themes that, that than we've done in the past mm-hmm. uh and they may or may not be similar to baseball uh, yeah. they may be more similar to basketball or football who knows but we're really looking at things through a new lens this year
0: mm-hmm. well i'm excited because i know that Oktoberfest promotion has been really great for the club i think i think you get a lot of people in early get a lot of people hanging out four hours before the game out in a parking lot, drinking beer. Like that's, it's awesome. especially in a community that, that, uh, Oktoberfest, for those of you aren't in Omaha, there's got 25, 26 October around town, not to mention all the October in Lincoln and surrounding communities. So it's definitely a, a cool thing to see the team latch on and kind of go for that stuff. And yeah, I think it'll be exciting to see some of the promo stuff, stuff you guys cook up this year, but I stepped on your awesome uh, transition earlier, so I won't do that again. So, speaking of that, and kind of kind of growing, um, what do you think? Kind of the next step for you need Omaha to grow into, uh, like a hermit crab shedding its shell, maybe is uh, what do you think the next step for Omaha is, and what uh, what are you guys planning or hoping to get done?
1: Well, if, if you're talking specifically stadium, which I think that's where you're leading, we started. CSL, which is Convention Sports Leisure. Uh, They're a feasibility group. Uh, They're part of Legends. Mm -hmm. They're the leader in this space. Uh, They did uh, CHI Health Arena. They also did uh, Schwab. And uh, we haven't talked about it, but they also did Warner Park for Sharpie County. Mm -hmm. So we hired them in April of 21. And in August of that same year, they delivered a package to us. that said, yes, uh, a soccer-specific facility for pro soccer, adding for special events, adding for women's, so on and so forth that's viable, uh, for the Omaha Metro area. Uh, obviously they gave us, you know, some of the cons and some of the things and challenges we would need to look for and to, and to make sure that weren't, they weren't pitfalls for us, but they also gave us locations and gave us, you know, demo looks. So it was a real well-rounded approach. We then hired a company called McCullers sports group led by Mark McCullers. Mark who used to work for the Lamar Hunt family mm-hmm. and he's headquartered out of Columbus. Why Columbus? he, Oh, he opened built and opened the first soccer specific stadium in the country back in 98, 99, with the crew. So he has history of doing something that everyone said, why are you doing this? This makes no sense. Why are you doing this? You know, in the late 90s, when every everyone else was playing, in essence, in a football stadium, for the most part, mm-hmm. American football stadium, for the most part. So uh, that's the group. That's our team. You know, we we've got we have some other folks locally uh, from a legal and lobbying perspective uh, that are on our team. But we went to work. Uh, we went to work looking at this long term. You know, what does this mean for 24, 25, 26? Um, obviously, COVID hang, hung around a little bit longer than any of us thought. So we really kind of had two—I don't call them dead years, but pretty much two dead years as it related. Mm-hmm to new facilities. So really in 22 is when those conversations kicked in. We've had conversations with the city going on for about a year, uh, but more specifically, the regular cadence has been since uh, this past fall uh, and there's been support there. And then we've had a number of conversations with uh, many sites. Uh, I, I personally drove and, and considered 26 to 27 sites. We boiled those down to about half a dozen and. Uh, we've narrowed those down to even more than that now. And it's primarily, uh, you know, north of Kew, east of 72nd, even though we looked at all three counties, Pottawatomie, Douglas, and Sarpy. And then we boiled it down really east of 42nd and north of Martha. So mm-hmm. those are, that's where we are. That's where we're looking uh, in that, you know, northeast, north area, if you will, of the metro. Uh, and that's real, That's real. that's where we are. That's where we are today. Yeah.
0: So the plan right now is 10,000 people for the stadium. Kind of how did you guys uh, get to that number for a stadium? Because that, that would make it uh, bigger than, I think, the majority of USLC franchises, which is also kind of part of the transition plan of building the stadium as well, correct?
1: Uh, it is. You know, it is. To, to, to move up, we would need a soccer specific. You know, that's that's something that we've been told. You know, 10,000 is a number as it re- relates to LB621. Mm-hmm. Um, um uh, as as well as the upcoming six two two, and and I'm not going to go on record by saying the stadium capacity is going to be ten thousand because mm-hmm. we're if we're if there are a hundred steps in design we're on step three right yeah. now. There's a long way to go, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of debate internally on should the capacity be seven eight nine ten thousand, and then should the fixed seating be five six seven eight nine ten thousand mm-hmm. because fixed seats are different than capacity so right. i think you're probably i think we're probably going to end up with a capacity of somewhere between eight eighty five hundred and ten i think it'll be in in, mm-hmm. in there somewhere and then fixed seats i think will be somewhere between 7500 5, 7, mm-hmm. i think that's probably where the fixed seat number ranges a lot of that depends on what your party areas look like what your supporter section looks like you know where your 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 overflow area looks like your suites so field level seats so mm-hmm. on and so forth so um there's a lot to flush out, but yes, capacity somewhere between eight and ten, fixed seats somewhere between fifty-five and seventy-five. I think those are fair numbers, and while they're fairly wide ranges, I'm not sitting here telling you a capacity of five to ten and fixed seats of three to ten. You know, I'm yeah. We're, we're, we at least have a, a fairly good idea of where we would end up.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I know you've just excited a lot of people with the, the comment about potentially having safe standing for supporter sections. That's something that uh, I know in Greenville they have, in Madison they have, and it's something that people really enjoy being able to stand up but also have somewhere to put your beer instead of like having a flag in one hand and your beer in the other while you're sitting on the berm trying to sing along. So We're
1: we're not going to transfer the same exact McDonald's berm to uh, wherever the new facility is. It could still be the McDonald's supporter Mm -hmm. section, but, you know, who knows? Sponsorship opportunities available. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. You know me. You know me. Mm
0: -hmm. But I think it's really exciting too. I think, um, I'm not sure if you saw this online, but someone put together a chart about USL stadiums in relations to the downtown of the cities that they're in. And Omaha was like the furthest away, 15 miles plus from downtown. This would put us like one of the closest to downtowns of all the teams in the country. I have not seen that. I,
1: yeah, I saw the season ticket one that was that someone put out yeah. yesterday. I'll sign it to you. Uh, yeah.
0: But that's exciting i think especially uh so for those of you that aren't in omaha there's currently a streetcar proposal uh that's tied to some downtown development and if we are in north downtown it'd actually be on a mass transit line a fixed mass transit line so you could go all the way from about call it midtown all the way downtown to the soccer stadium so you could have all sort you could do a little bar crawl on your way down there where you never left the train so it's it's pretty exciting especially to see it kind of go into a downtown area where there's a bit more than there is out at warner park still sad that the pizza spot moved
1: i i agree i, I love kennedy it's great mm-hmm.
0: yeah so that's exciting um and i guess um, long term uh was there any was there a lot of consideration for building out by warner park i know that's something that had been tossed around a lot there's a lot of open land out there was it kind of the decision that soccer sh- should be kind of more centrally located inside the city
1: well, you know, a feasibility study told us what you just said. You know, it should be more centrally located or specifically located. Uh, but you know, our current metrics tell us a lot of different things. We have more season ticket holders uh, from the six eight zero four six zip code, which still blows mm-hmm. me away to this day. Uh, when That's people West tell Omaha, me right? It, it's Papillion specifically. Pillion. It's not even West Omaha. So, uh, and then some of the other high ones are are Bennington Blair area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and even going out towards the Ashland area. So, you know, and that's just ticket holders. That's not sponsors. You know, and then from mm-hmm. a sponsor's perspective, you know, sponsors look at things different uh, a lot of times. Uh, it is about number of eyeballs, but a lot of our sponsors have said, w- w- you know, if it's not broke, you know, wh- why fix it? And and mm-hmm. they were specifically talking about Warner Park, though, and that's, that's mm-hmm. sometimes when it's difficult when we have our crossover sponsors, you know, um, Well, this isn't about warner park this isn't about baseball Uh, this is about soccer and i I think once we got past that i think i I think they understand that Mm -hmm. but for us i i I share that and i'm being transparent with that we have our work cut out for us because if we do land at x spot and i'm not i don't Mm -hmm. i don't don't want to give any cross sections or cross streets today but if we do land at x spot you know in that quadrant that i told told you you know told our listeners about earlier we have our work cut out for us you know well, then we'll have the reverse okay well do i want to drive down there mm-hmm. do i want to keep my tickets and that's where it went, where it comes in we started the conversation earlier about you know what to tell a, a baseball owner coming into soccer it's still about sales and relationships it's mm-hmm. still about sales and relationships and we can we need to continue to do that so you know we, we are um, maybe at midfield if you will uh, mm-hmm. on, on our process uh you know we have started. Uh, the legislative process, as as everyone now knows, uh, this past week, and uh, we'll continue onward with that. And uh, it's different for me uh, than the 2008 through 2011, uh, mm-hmm. to baseball stadium uh, in the same community, only two baseball stadiums in the country that opened in 2011 because of the recession that happened then. And all my colleagues around the country were like, you guys are insane. You're opening two baseball stadiums. Yeah. And then I said, and they're 15 miles apart. They're, they're that close. So, <laughs> um, you know, this is a little different. Uh, this is us driving the ship a little bit more. Sarpy County really drove the ship uh, for Warner Park. And I learned from that, but mm-hmm. this is really us driving the ship. And, uh, and, and as I always say, cre- create your own you know, future, create your own happiness. And uh, we're in that process.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. So we're going to get really technical. And we're going to go into Nebraska state politics and Nebraska uh, state law real quick, as we talk about some of the financing stuff for the stadium. So we're going to, we're going to talk about three bills today. We're going to talk about LB ten twenty one, which is the COVID, uh, essentially it was the money from the federal government that was given to the state of Nebraska as part of the COVID relief efforts. Um, we're going to talk about LB 621, which was what you were down in Lincoln talking about the other day which is the proposal for $50 million from the state surplus to go towards construction of a stadium in North downtown. We'll post a link to the article if you want to read more about it. And then we are going to talk about, uh, LB 622, which is stadium financing, uh, reform, which essentially it's allow, if it passes, it would allow you guys to have like essentially like revenue bonds to, Pay for stadium construction, upkeep, maintenance. Not just you, but everybody who owns a stadium or entertainment venue, like the Steel House, which is the new uh, Performance Arts Center, Ralston Arena, uh, things like that. Correct. Correct.
1: Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, w- you want me to go now? Can I? Yep. Can I'm gonna work. I'm gonna work. I'm gonna work backwards. Backwards to the front. Mm-hmm. Uh, backwards is the most easy one because it's existing legislation. We're mm-hmm. just simply asking for a stadium of our class, our size, to be added, and you know, six twenty-two is 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 an amendment to an existing one, which it was the one that create helped create CHI Health Arena mm-hmm. or Schwab Field. So that one's the easiest for people to understand. We would be able to take advantage of already existing legislation, and it would be a turnback of a certain radius around the facility, um, and that would be in essence paid for by users and by people that would come to that entertainment district Mm -hmm. so that's a pretty easy one uh 621 shouldn't be that hard to figure out but i'll explain it Mm -hmm. the one that i I testified at this week uh it is not new tax dollars uh this is uh, from the state surplus that we've been running for a number of years Uh,
0: 1.9 billion dollar surplus
1: yes thank you Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and a, a large number of that, uh, Director Tony Goins of the Department of Economic Development uh, is going to be managing that. And again, this is not new tax dollars. There are existing mm-hmm. dollars that are in the coffers now, and we're asking not for free money, but we have proposed uh, that if we raised, for example, if we raised 20 million, then the state would match it from this revenue surplus up mm-hmm. to 40 million. So mm-hmm. if that could mean uh up to 60 million dollars for the project if you will Mm -hmm. but we would have to go out and raise that money whether it's privately raised uh whether it's additional investors whether it's philanthropic or whether it's you know uh, support from a business community that would be on us so that's what 621 is yeah and then you mentioned for six
0: twenty one, real quick that's also money that pillin who is now our governor has stated in his campaign promises is money that he wants to spend already So that's already funding, that's looking to build uh, a reservoir for uh, the water wars with Colorado. Um, Part of that's like that big recreational lake they wanna build. Uh, I think some of it's going to streetcar, And then the biggest thing he wants to do is essentially a property tax cut for uh, the top income bracket of the state income tax going from, I think it's 6.8 for the top bracket to 3.99. So this is money that's going to get spent Regardless, it's not new tax revenue. It's not tax revenue on us. It's essentially, you know, you're saying by giving us matching the amount of money that we are raising ourselves privately, that is a good stewardship of that money for the state of Nebraska because they will see uh, excess tax revenue from this. Because I think the initial in the article, I think they said 14 million dollars was what they uh, estimated the annual economic impact to start would be. Is that correct, roughly?
1: Uh, well, the first year would be 17.1 uh, roughly uh, for year one. And mm-hmm. you're looking at the entire area once the district would build out would be mm-hmm. about 450 net jobs. And, you know, the other thing, Chip, uh, you know, I guess I'm going to segue a little bit from there. It's not mm-hmm. just about jobs creation. Mm-hmm. You know, this and, and this isn't just uh, this isn't spending money. This is an investment. This is an mm-hmm. investment for um, people that live here that may have other opportunities, in cities similar to Omaha, mm-hmm. or this is about people that aren't from Nebraska, that maybe a builder trend or a mutual of Omaha, or someone is trying to recruit. We have to keep up with the Joneses. And I'm not saying in a soccer sense, I'm saying mm-hmm. in a general entertainment sense, as well as socially and, you know, what we want our state to be represented so we can continue, uh to to keep talent here and stop the brain drain. So this is a part of that. So it's an investment. It absolutely is an investment. And the other thing, it's not just about jobs creation of those 450 or specifically 150 net jobs for the stadium itself specifically, mm-hmm. but it's it would be an investment in a particular part of town um, beyond jobs. Uh, this mm-hmm. would be about, you know, how do we help how do we help lives from a perspective of education, internships? community events at the facility so we're currently working on a cba a, a community benefits agreement mm-hmm. it is similar to what both nashville and cincinnati did so that's something we're also doing behind the scenes right now uh, and we feel very strongly about that
0: mm-hmm. yeah so that's exciting and then the last one 1021 that is the the covid money that was passed last session and so that was the the one where initially the plan our initial union omaha submitted to be a part of that plan but then that was peeled off into this new 621 essentially 1020
1: actually 1024, 1024. yeah so yeah t- 1024 and we were not included in the final olson and associates did, mm-hmm. did the did the feasibility study and they made recommendations and the book's not sealed on that yet mm-hmm. uh but we were not included as a recommendation in the first, there were other projects that were more Mm -hmm. important and that's why we waited to roll out. That's why we did, you know, we want to do 1024 first, again, dollars that were federal dollars, not state dollars. And then we Mm -hmm. rolled into 621, 622, trying to be very cognizant of the taxpayer along the way.
0: Right. Gotcha. So essentially like the, the cliff notes of this, while it is state money, it's not a new tax area. They're not going to have a, at least right now, not, a new sales tax area it is money from the state that is already earmarked to be spent on infrastructure projects inside the state and uh part of that is for omaha would be getting something that would help uh re- retain people inside of the omaha metro and rehabilitate a part of town that uh has starting to see a lot of improvement but could definitely use a shot in the arm to improve i know i've uh jokingly sent peter uh pictures before of Uh, empty lots down there and be like, man, imagine a stadium here. So (laughs) uh, it'd be exciting, especially uh, with CWS uh, in that kind of general area, Creighton in that general area. There's a lot of really cool stuff down there. And I guess that's the other question is uh, uh, why not Creighton? Why wouldn't you guys try to partner with Creighton University, uh, use Morrison Field? Um, So for again, for those of you outside of Omaha, Creighton University, a D1 program has a – uh six thousand person some stadium which of that like two thousand is seated and that's in a similar location. Omaha played a regular season game versus Tucson there in twenty twenty one and then they one. played a US Open Cup game there in twenty twenty two versus the Des Moines Menace. So why would was that considered at all using Creighton?
1: Oh, actually, it was considered before we were even a franchise. You know, mm-hmm. we, visited, we visited with Creighton as early as uh, 2017, 2018. There wasn't interest in a full capacity relationship. Obviously, uh, you know, Bruce Rasmussen has retired, and now Marcus Blossom is there, and we've had conversations with Marcus. And I would say that there's interest there, uh, but we actually have a one-sheeter we've created because this is the question we probably get the most. And mm-hmm. we're sharing that as we socialize the idea, especially down in Lincoln. And here in a nutshell is this, this isn't about Union Omaha. This isn't about creating a women's team. This isn't about starting a youth academy. And this isn't about all the community events and programs and, and fundraising things that will happen the ballpark. It's about all of it. Holistically, it's a multi-use facility. Well, To be able to do what we want to do in its entirety, we have to control the schedule 365. Mm -hmm. Creighton's not going to be able to do that on their campus. They're they're not going to be able to say, okay, when can we play men's and women's soccer at Morrison Stadium? When can we have spring? So that's that's the first example. The second example Mm -hmm. is one that speaks directly to that. We had two matches this year, March 26th and April 15th, coming up, our first two matches of the year for Union that weren't be able that aren't going to be able to play, be played here at Warner Park. So of course we go to Creighton and we go to UNO. We have great relationships with both. We have three dates that worked for both. Two of the three dates worked at UNO. Zero of the three dates worked at Creighton. And we're talking about the spring, which isn't mm-hmm. even the regular, it's not even college soccer season during yep. that time. So that was disheartening on one hand that we couldn't play we wanted to play one at each was really what Mm -hmm. our goal was but the disheartening part was there's not even a chance that we could figure out how we can manage a facility that is theirs where their home soccer teams play so i i don't know how else i can explain to anyone if those two Mm -hmm. scenarios and examples don't answer that question because that's not even getting to who controls suite revenue? Who controls concessions and catering? Who controls parking? Who controls sponsorship revenue? Who controls all that? Mm-hmm. Who's going to pay for a fifty to seventy million dollar renovation to add three thousand seats, to add another ten suites, to add five party areas, so on and so forth? Two clubhouses, actually, it would be four clubhouses. Yeah. So the the money part of it would be easier than the scheduling part. So mm-hmm. I hope that answers your question. Yeah. Um, I, I, I answer that one more than any single question about our project.
0: Yeah, I think every time it's been brought up uh, from the rumor stage to this, which is as close to an actual announcement we've gotten, that that's always the question: is why not Creighton? And it's like, well, a lot of reasons, <laughs> but
1: yeah, yeah, I think it's
0: and I think again, it's a, exciting, and I don't think that there's personally, um, no, I don't really think there's a reason there couldn't be two, and I think Creighton likes having control of their facilities, and they're using theirs a lot, which is a good thing that we can have two facilities that are going to see a lot of use.
1: Chip, I've been through the two stadium thing, and people said it was crazy to build two baseball stadiums, but they are different, and you just said it. Mm -hmm. They're different uses. They're different. And what excites us maybe most about this, we used Warner Park for 301 special events this year. Mm -hmm. We're the southwest part of the metro. We're talking about the northeast part of the metro. There's not a facility of this size that we're talking about that has the community-minded aspect of the ownership and management this would be a tremendous opportunity in a different part of town. So a variety of nonprofits can have somewhere to do fundraising events, community events, walks, fun, whatever it might be in an, in an affordable outdoor venue. That that and you know me, mm-hmm. that really, really excites me. And and to be able to offer that, that we would have the entire community covered. We would have both you know, the, the 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 east side and the west side covered, that's really exciting to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's going to be, it seems like a really exciting plan. And I guess that's kind of why, let's end on that. If uh, someone in Omaha or the state of Nebraska uh, really feels strongly about this, uh, what would you suggest that they do in order to sh- uh, let people know that they're in favor of 621 and 622?
1: Well, I think going and, and becoming educated on what they are. Read, read, read. LB, you know, six two one, six two two, as you mentioned. The second thing is see who's on the committee, and if you live in the district of someone who's on the committee and you're in favor of it, let them know that. You know, both of these bills will need to make it out of committee onto the floor of the unicameral before you know anything uh, positive uh, could happen. And if you're a naysayer or you still have questions, ask. Call me. Call me at Warner Park email me Uh, my emails you know uh, on our websites you know i want to answer questions and you know we want people to we want people to be educated and and if you become educated and you're still opposed to it you know that's all i can ask you know learn the facts first and uh and uh and then if you if you haven't experienced union omaha soccer come check out soccer you know we're 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 the third level uh, of soccer here in the united states um we hope to be the second level uh, within the next three to five years. And it's an exciting time, uh, you know, to be part of uh, um, the Owls, to be part of Union Omaha. It really is. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate. Uh, I'm learning a bunch of new tricks later in my career. And, you know, I'm fortunate to be a part of it. And, uh, uh, you know, I, if you haven't watched soccer yet, you know, this this brand of soccer that we have is great. And I can't wait to see uh, Coach Caciato and and uh, and the Owls take the field on March 26th.
0: Perfect. Well, hey, uh, if people want to get a hold of you online. Uh, what's your uh, Twitter tag if they want to ask you some questions? Are, uh,
1: at Chasers, the episode? yeah, at Chasers Prez, excuse me, at Omaha Prez, at Omaha Perez, and Perez Prez, and Prez is P R E Z. Uh, that's my Twitter handle. And, um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I've had a, a number of business uh, professionals have connected with me there already this week asking questions about uh, the possible stadium. And those are the best two spots. And, uh, uh, you can call the soccer office or the baseball office, and they'll they'll route they'll route you to me as well.
0: Perfect. Well, for Walkin' Ninety, uh, I'm Chip Nelson. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next episode.